0: Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Turn your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 4. It is sure great to see you this first Sunday morning in the New Year. How many know it's always good, and I would just say not just good, but it's best to put God first in everything. How many agree with me on that one? Listen, when you get up in the morning and you take some time to pray, when you read your Bible, you're putting God's first. When you, when you give your tithe, when you offer God the first and best, how many know everything else tends to work out? It it just does. And what I'm going to encourage you to do in this month of January is to give God some extra time to help get your life in perfect alignment. See here's what I know. You've got a little gift that's going to last about two, maybe three weeks in January where you have an opportunity to realign your life. When I was in Gander Mountain before Christmas, Santa Claus put some uh, uh, camo binoculars in my little basket. And I got them home, and uh, I, I took them out, and I looked, and I thought, well, shoot, these things aren't any better than the last ones I had. But, but then I started adjusting them a little bit, and I was like, wow. It's like things that were just, you know, three, 400 yards away just came right up to me. Well, how many know our life needs adjustment like that? It, it, sometimes we just get caught up in the world. I not mean we're bad people, but we just get caught up in things where God's got something better for us. And I want to ask you to join me in the month of January to set yourself apart to God in a special way with a time of prayer and fasting. I want to encourage you, as I will throughout this month, to take some special time. You may want to fast a meal or two and maybe come to the church during lunchtime and just pray and seek the Lord or or turn the TV off for a day or several days and, and just draw near to God and let yourself get in alignment. Because how many know God knows the future and we don't? But we want to be in a perfect spot so He can take us through it and not only take care of us as we go, but let us make the greatest difference we can in His kingdom. Amen? So join me. Listen, it's January right now. Look for those ways. I know I'm probably... a little too connected to some of my technology phones and iPods and all those things and radios I'm just going to turn them off for a little bit not because they're a sin but because they're just distracting sometimes and I want to give God a little bit of extra time to help tune me in like those binoculars so I can see clearly I hope you'll join me with that and we've also got something I want to give you right now we've got a brand new Bible guide uh, the best way I know to connect with God every day is reading your Bible. And if you need one, January and February, if you just lift your hand uh, for you, your spouse, kids, we'll give you as many as you like. Lift your hands. You can get one here, put it in your Bible, or or pick it up online. But uh, let's go ahead. We're going to begin in Matthew chapter 4. And I, I let me, first of all, let me say I am glad to be back. This is our home. We were gone for a few days at Christmas. I've got family that lives in Mississippi and went back, had a great time with them several days, got to do some duck hunting and just love to be with family. But we had Thursday night, we were with my sister, big Christmas at her house. We had on, let's see, uh, Friday afternoon, had dinner at my dad's house, Uh, Friday night, Christmas Eve service, Saturday morning, Christmas Day at my mom's. And then we had uh, Christmas lunch at my brother's. How many know that's a lot of ham and turkey? But it's just great to connect with family. But uh, when I was at my brother's house on Christmas Day, uh, his kids. I heard this uh, loud noise upstairs. Well, how many know loud noises and kids kind of go together? And and it, they were just loud music. And then I kept, and I'm thinking, what are they doing up there? So as a good uncle, I'd go up the stairs to see. And uh, my niece got this new game. It was an Xbox game, a, a dance game or something, Dance Central or something. Anyway, so. I'm up there, and they've got these uh, on the TV. I was a little intrigued by it. They've got the, a, a, a leader. It's actually two or three people, and they're leading in these dance steps. Uh, too many of you are shaking your, hands, your heads here. Uh, they're leading in these dance steps, and uh, what you do is you're competing against somebody else and you follow the leader. In other words, if the leader's doing that or whatever they're doing, you know, you kind of follow them. And the more accurate you do it, the more points you get, and you can beat your friend. Well, my little niece did it, and, of course, she's a cheerleader, and she got, you know, just a real high score, and her boyfriend did it after that. And he has about .1 on the uh, (laughs) rhythm scale. And then male ego took over with me, so I got in the act, too, and I got a lot of points. I, I, I don't know how many, but I got a lot of points. But after it was over and I was done looking stupid, I got to thinking a little bit, and, you know, you can be successful at anything in life if you just follow the leader. Now the way to win this game was that you did the moves just like the person on the screen that was trying to lead you and you get points and you win the game. You'll win anything in life if you follow the right leader. Now listen, if you want to play golf and you're shanking them or you're hooking the ball, you find a golf pro, somebody knows what they're doing, and they can straighten your swing out, they'll tell you to hold the club differently, they'll tell you to adjust your stance, but if you follow an expert, if you'll follow their example, uh, you can, I don't care if it's blowing a duck collar, if you don't know how to do it, you find an expert that knows how to do it. He'll tell you what you're doing, how to hold your air, your diaphragm, and the, and the sounds that's going to come forth, and before you know it, you're an expert. Uh, maybe maybe you've got a, a brand fancy phone for Christmas, can't figure it out. You need a child to be an expert to you, <laughs> to teach you. We made the plunge with my 11-year-old, and she got uh, her first little cell phone, and of course, it comes with a book, and she's, looking, she's in the fifth grade, and she can barely read the book, but, uh, and I couldn't explain something. In two hours, she'd mastered the whole phone. But how many know that's true in the world, that if you're following the right leader, if you're imitating their example, and if you're doing what they tell you to do, how many know you will improve and you'll be successful at it? Well, it's true in the world, but can I tell you, it's true in your spiritual life. If you will follow the example and the teaching of Jesus Christ, you will have a successful spiritual life. But the key word is follow. Can you say follow? Follow. I know it for sure, my friends, that if you want to live a life that pleases God, you've got to follow the example and the teaching of Jesus Christ. Now, let's read this passage. Matthew 4, verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers... Simon and Andrew, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, can you say that? Follow me. Yeah. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Now that's pretty profound. How many know you can't follow until you let go of something? You can't go forwards until you let go of what's holding you back or exactly where you are. You've got to get this forward momentum of following Christ. Verse 21, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James and John, in a boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. How many know the same God that called them is the same God that's calling you? See, it's the same thing. Immediately, what did they do? They left the boat and their father, and what did they do? It's profound. Jesus didn't just say, believe some information about me. Jesus doesn't want to just fill our minds. Now, He wants to fill our minds with truth, true doctrine, true principles, but Christianity is more than information. Christianity is more than just believing the right thing. Christianity, in its most basic sense, is about following the person of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to try to capture you this morning, if I can, with this. This word, follow, by definition, it simply means to imitate someone... And do what they tell you to do. If you want a piece of advice to have a successful life, and how many know success in life is not just in things and in, in, in the pursuit of power and wealth and accumulation, all, the, a, a successful life is one that pleases God. If you will commit yourself to following Jesus, to imitating his example, and doing what he tells you to do it'll be way better than, than Dance Central, you know, when you get, you know, 150,000 points by, you know, shaking your leg or whatever. Uh, how many know if you follow Jesus, life, eternal life awaits you? So this word, follow, is what we're looking at, imitating, doing what they tell you to do. And I can't think of a better time than this time in New Year's is to readjust our lives. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for where I am in my spiritual life, but I know there's more. How many can say the same thing? I'm grateful for where God's brought me, but I don't want to stay where I am. I want to get to the place where God wants me to be, not only in my personal inner world, but what I'm accomplishing, what I'm producing, what my life is meaning while I'm living on this earth. And I can absolutely tell you this, my friend. If you will adjust your life for these next few weeks and begin to increase your, your, your commitment to focus on following Jesus, I promise you, your future will never be the same. We've, uh, it's a new series we're starting for the month of January. It's called I Follow, like the iPhone. It's I Follow, and I'm going to encourage you to get on board with this. We'll do it. Uh, we'll do it several weeks in the month of, of January, and I know it's going to be a blessing. Turn to uh, Matthew chapter 10. As you're making your way there, let me digress just a moment and kind of chase a, a little rabbit for just a second. Uh, and let me say this: There's a difference between believing in Jesus and following Him. Now, we all know that it's our faith in Christ that saves us. How many know you're saved by? Yeah, saved by grace, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. By grace through your faith in what Christ did on the cross. You can never do enough good works to save you. It's a gift from God. But but with that gift of, of believing, how many know if you're not following, you may not be genuinely believing? Now, let me... Let me kind of go after this rabbit just a second. See, in the Bible, belief was always linked to change in behavior. If you're John the Baptist and you preach the kingdom of God is near, what was the key word that he said? He said, repent. He said, turn around. And then when people begin to hear this, a Roman soldier, for example, he said, listen, be content with your wages and don't extort money. Uh, you know, he talked to the person who had, for example, two garments. Well, what do I need to do? And he said, listen, give one of them away. Use one and give one. But if you're going to be a follower, of a believer in Christ, you've got to be a follower. And believing in the Bible always implies action. Believing is not just a passive accumulation of information. I think many people in the American church are deceived or confused because we have thought that it's enough if I just get Christian information in my head and it, it, that's okay. That I can know Christ as Savior, and I can be optional whether I follow Him as Lord. It's like, depending on my mood, do I really want to be a follower, or am I going to just be content as being a believer? I think we're confused just a little bit in your Bible. Jesus did never divorced belief from behavior. He, when He called these disciples to come after Him, what did He say? He said, follow me. He wants us to imitate Him. He wants us to allow His teachings to guide and to control our life. It's the key to the Christian life, and He was pretty serious about it. In Matthew 10, 38, Jesus said, If you refuse to take up your cross and... Yeah, and and listen to what He said. You're not worthy of being Mine. Now, I don't know what that means, you're not worthy of being Mine, but it doesn't sound too good to me. What do you think? Now, the cross in the Bible, it, we see it, a cross in, in modern-day America. We've got them as walls on, our, uh, you know, on the walls of our house. Uh, someone gave my wife a cross for Christmas. She wore it around her neck. It's an, almost a piece of decoration. But in the Bible, the cross was a place of death. The cross was a place where the the, the, Roman persecution, the Roman way of of torturing a person before they died, it was an instrument of death. And there's got to be some level to follow Christ. I've got to leave something. And the biggest thing I've got to leave is myself. How about you? There's a tug-of-war that goes on in my heart, and I can't fully follow Christ until I'm willing to let go of some things from my past. But Jesus wants to be for us not only a Savior that we believe in, but He wants to be a Lord that we follow. And I can tell you this, the best plan, God... Simon Peter was a fisherman, and being a fisherman is a noble profession. He could put food on the table for his family. He could make a little money where they could buy clothes and shelter. But think what that means for eternity. Not very much. But yet, because he followed Jesus, and he kept following Jesus, no matter what happened. I mean, people would go away. Jesus would say something that was difficult or hard. And after he said it, then the people would leave. And Jesus said, hey, are you going to? And Peter said, where else can I go? You have the words of life, which is code for saying, I'm going to keep following you. And he ended up on the day of Pentecost, and there's this miraculous thing happening. The Holy Spirit is falling on this great crowd of prayers and worshiping people, and all of a sudden, they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Thousands of people gather around them, and guess who gets to stand up on the day of Pentecost and preach the first sermon? It's Peter. But it all started when Jesus said, follow me, and I'll make something of your life. And I want to encourage you to realize this, my friends. Christianity is more than believing the right things. Christianity is following the person of Jesus Christ. I don't minimize belief whatsoever, but belief should compel us to follow, or it's no belief at all. Are you with me this morning? Let's, uh, let's look. I want you to... Well, John chapter 2, you may want to go there. John chapter 2 will be there in just a second. Uh, James, chapter 2, verse 20, let me read that before I go on. James says, do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is... Yeah, it means it's useless. Faith that does nothing is worth nothing. That's pretty interesting, the New Century version. Faith that does nothing, in other words, a faith that only has information, is useless. It's worth nothing because it's not followed by behavior. And I guess there's really two things that I'm trying to say in this. One, I believe in the American church there are scores of people who are deluded and they have intellectual knowledge of Christ but they don't have biblical faith for salvation and they've never been genuinely converted. The evidence is because they're not following Christ. You see, Jesus said you'll know them by their what? fruits by the lifestyle that we're living. And if there's never been a change in my lifestyle after my supposed profession of faith, I would suggest to you, you may not have really engaged biblical faith and you may not be a believer. So you may be listening to me from that perspective, but also I know this from experience. There's times in my Christian life where I don't want to follow Jesus. He wants me to do something and I don't want to do it. You don't do that, do you? You don't do it very much. Uh, How about that? But but sometimes we bump against a wall where Christ said, I want you, I I don't know what it might be. It might be giving a sum of money. It might be helping a needy person. It might be bringing someone in your home. It may be breaking up a relationship that you're in. It may be leaving a, a, a work environment that you're in when somebody's hitting on you, but you're making good money, and, 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 and you know it could be... And the Lord's saying, you know, you need to get out of this place. How many you know following Jesus translates itself to the practical, everyday issues of our life? Let me, let me explain this a little more fully, because we want a faith that not only believes right, but a faith that is following. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, quite simply, it means this. Rearranging your life to look more like his. Think about it. Rearranging your life. If you're, for, let's, say, uh, let's say your husband gets a bunch of money and uh, he said, okay baby, we're gonna remodel the kitchen. And uh, you look at people's houses, you're taking pictures, and I mean you got lots of money. You're tearing pages out of Southern Living magazine, and, 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 and you've got a decorator on board, and you give her that picture and you say, I want my kitchen to look like this. And what she does, she gets a carpenter and he starts rearranging. He starts knocking down walls, he starts pulling out cabinets, he starts relocating the dishwasher, he is rearranging that kitchen so it can look the way that it's supposed to look. Well, do you know that's exactly what Jesus wants to do with our life. He wants to rearrange our life so that we not only look like Him, we sound like Him, we act like Him. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're amening this morning. That's what He wants to do in our lives, not leave us the way we were, but conform us into the image of Christ. Let me show you a little funny video uh, uh, about uh, a little black and white about following Him. I think you'll pick it up. the Christian life the way it's supposed to be lived? Follow Christ, imitate Him, and do what He says. Now, let me tell you real simply how to do it. This is so simple, your preschooler will be able to pick this up. It's worth writing down. It's three very simple things. If you want to follow Jesus, you need to first find out what He wants you to do. You need to start doing it. And listen, number three, you need to let go of anything holding you back. Let's just say it again. You need to find out what He wants you to do. You say, well, how do I do that? It is so simple. Listen, if you will just pick up your Bible, that's why I want you to have that Bible god so you can just start reading what He says because how many know the Bible is the Word of God? And guess what? As I read this, it impacts my life. I've been reading through the book of Job, and the book of Job can be a kind of a depressing book, but I've been getting something rich out of it. A couple days ago, I read about Job, and I saw one of the secrets because he was, a, he was not just a broken man. The brokenness was lasted a couple of years. He was one of the wealthiest men of the world before his troubles and after his troubles. But you know what I read about Job? I, said, I, I read about Job that he cared for the poor. He helped the needy. He helped the widow. He helped the fatherless. And then I read where Job said, from my youth, I was a father to the one who had no father. And the Holy Spirit was speaking to me about people in our church and my relationship with many people about what I needed to do. See, God has a way of speaking to you, and, 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 and one person, please don't try to figure out who this was, but one person that I needed to be a father to was aggravating me about something, and the Holy Spirit, rather than making me walk away, helped me reengage, and the compassion of God replaced my frustration all because God was speaking to me and showing me what He wanted me to do. And as you read your Bible and as you, number two, listen to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will guide you. That's why I'm encouraging you in this month of January to take some time, turn off the phone, turn off the TV, turn off this and turn off that, get some quiet time with God, do it in your room, do it in the church, take a walk, do it in your car, go to a hotel room, but find somewhere where you can be quiet and listen to the Holy Spirit and He'll show you what to do. Now, the next one is pretty simple. You just start doing it. That's not profound, is it? Tell your neighbor, all you have to do is just start doing it. But here's something. You remember when Jesus, uh, He went to the wedding, His first miracle, and they didn't have, they'd run out of wine to drink, and and Jesus' mother, Mom saying, okay, son, do something about this. What did she tell the servants? Yeah, do whatever Jesus says. And if there's a piece of advice I'd give you on this first Sunday of the New Year's, it's simply that, just do whatever Jesus says. And, And let me say this to you. If you're here, this is not a church where we want to play church. This is not a church that's just a social church. This is not a church where you can just come and get a little feel-good and go home. Listen, this is a church that's serious about following God. This is a church that's serious about answering the commands of Christ, about living by the Bible. And if that's we are not perfect now. But if you're looking for a church that's trying to be to a place that's really trying to please God in what they do, you've got the right place, friend. So find out what He wants you to do. Start doing it. And look at this next one, because this is a big one. And I'm going to spend some more time on that. Let go of anything holding you back. How many know an anchor can be a really good thing or a really bad thing? If you're crappie fishing and you found the spot and you're, there's nothing on top of the water but all the brushes underneath the water, you've dropped an anchor in the water, it'll hold you there, you can catch fish until they're gone. But how many know an anchor can be good when you want to stay somewhere, but if you're wanting to move... Like when I used to canoe with my kids, they're hanging out in the water, they're dragging their feet, they're, you know, they're holding on to trees, and I'm paddling. Let me know we have some things that are not good anchors in our life, and the simple thing to do with them is to let them go. Now we'll talk about that, but let me illustrate one more time the example of Jesus when we talk about following Him. For example, Jesus got up early to spend time with His heavenly Father, so should I. Can you say, so should I? He helped people in need. So yeah. He reached out to people who were living in sin. So and they're all around us every day. He loved people others over who were overlooked by others. So he put God's will first in his life. So yeah. He forgave people who did terrible things to him. So he served other people. So yeah. He lived a holy life. So See, the Christian life is just that simple. I mean, it's a little easier than that game where you're trying to, you know, and it's certainly worth more points because when you're imitating Jesus, it has eternal consequences for you. See, here's something I know. Every one of us are following somebody. You may not even be aware who you're following. You know, the little girl, when your girls were little, Rebecca would do this. You know what her favorite game was? Dress up. What she wanted to do is go in mommy's closet and put on mommy's clothes and her feet are about that long and she's got mommy's shoes on there a little longer and she's just but she's not done just with the clothes. What else has she got to get? Make yeah. See, you know the game too. She's got to make up because she wants to be like mommy. Well, isn't that the same thing that Christ has for us? And the tragedy is many of us have been raised in a religious environment that compartmentalized God. And God had an hour on Sunday, and then we lived our life. That's not the way the Christian life is lived, and, and it's not a laborious thing. You know, the, I've lived for, it for Christ 34 years, and the longer I follow Him, the more I want to follow Him. I have never given up anything that Christ didn't in some way give me back more. And I don't just mean money out, money in. I mean more peace, more joy, more fulfillment, come on, more contentment in life. His way has been the best way that I've ever had. But you're going to follow somebody. Do you know your children are going to follow their friends to the beer store or the Bible study? You did. Maybe you are. But you're going to follow somebody to the beer store or the Bible study. Here's something I know. Most of us in here, many of us in here, dress the way we do because we're following somebody else. Now, you may be following a fashion designer in Hollywood. You know, you may change your closet once or two times a year because somebody in New York, somebody in Hollywood, some magazine says this is the way you're supposed to look. Now, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just telling you, you are following somebody. If you're a duck hunter, there is fashionable duck wear and there is non-fashionable duck wear. I'm just telling you, there are new patterns that are coming out every day and you just have to have them. And you don't just replace your shirt and your pants. You've got to replace your hat. You've got to replace your gloves. You've got to replace your jacket. Come on. You've got to replace your bag. So, uh, you, but you follow somebody. So w- w- what I want to tell you, my friends, is don't follow the wrong person. And don't follow things. Don't give the passion of your life to that which is going to be gone in a short matter of time. Give the passion of your life, come on, to following the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Give him a big hand this morning. Let me, let me wrap up. Matthew chapter 19, I want you to go there with me. The last point, remember we said there's three things to following Jesus, so simple. Find out what He wants you to do, start doing it. But the big one was let go of anything holding you back. Now I can virtually guarantee you in the next five minutes the Holy Spirit will speak to you about something if you're listening. Because most people, including myself, have something in their life. And it may not be an evil, bad, sinful thing, it just may be a thing that's distracting your life. Don't get too quiet on me. That would have been a great time for an arousing amen. Matthew chapter 19, look at verse uh, 16. Someone came to Jesus with this question, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Can I suggest to you there is no more profound question that can be asked on this earth? If indeed the Bible's true, that a man lives one time, and then the choices of that life will affect him forever, forever and ever, and ever, and ever. There's nothing more important than this question. Now, here's how Jesus answered verse 17, to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones? Verse 18, and mind you, this was a great guy. This was a model church member that this conversation is being Jesus is having with. And Jesus replied, you must not murder, don't commit adultery. He's going through the Ten Commandments don't steal, don't testify falsely, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. He added that one to it. And verse 20, this guy said an amazing thing that I could not say. Now, maybe you could, but I can't. He said, I've obeyed all these commandments. And, and if the guy would have stopped then, he'd have probably been okay. But he asked this question, what else must I do? And Jesus told him this, well, if you want to be perfect, Go and sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and you'll have great treasure in heaven. And then come in. A deeply religious man, entangled with the world. And what Jesus was really looking for was not just people that obeyed some select commandments. He was looking for people that would go where he was going, do what he was doing, and simply say yes. You got real quiet on me there. And this doesn't mean that He wants everybody to sell everything they have. But what He wants to do is find out what the anchor is in your life, and He wants you to let go of it. Because if you don't, it'll have devastating consequences in your life. You, you, uh, well, Let's keep reading. Verse 22, when the young man heard this, he went away what? Sat. Why? Because he had many possessions. Or maybe a better way of saying that, his many possessions had him. See, like you... Or probably you that are that are that are more spiritual in it than I can't relate to this, but like the most of you, I'd like a new this and a new that. You just remodel your house and that's not good enough. You wish you'd have done this and you wish you'd have been able to build that. And the new waiters are coming out with not just twelve hundred whatever is in the feet, that's sixteen hundred. Possessions are not bad, but possessions and material things can destroy your spiritual life. What this man did is he wasted his eternal life on some things. Jesus said to his disciples, I'll tell you the truth, it's very hard for a rich person into the kingdom of heaven. You know, like you, listen, it's my prayer for you and my prayer for me is that God would bless you financially. You you, you could have great joy and enjoyment, do what you want to do, that you'd give and you'd make a great difference in the world, but you've got to be careful because money can destroy your life. And sometimes, I think in February, we're going to do a little series about real prosperity and about, about controlling money before it controls you. But for many times, what happens in a person's life is they get tra- trapped in it. And before you know it, you've become a believer and not a follower. And I'm suggesting to you, there's an an old World War II movie when they attack Pearl Harbor and the the Japanese planes are coming in, they're attacking, and there's this one ship, you know, and and, and the captain, I think he was a lieutenant, and he he said, get the engines going. And this guy ran to the back of the ship with airplanes coming, he took an axe because there was an anchor that was holding them in place, and there was a rope that held that anchor in somehow place, and he took that axe and he went whop. And as soon as he cut it, that ship was able to be anchored. He was able to be free. I want to suggest to you, there will be things in your life, if they're not there now, they could be there tomorrow or next week or next year that will become an anchor in your spiritual life, just like it did to this religious man. And if we don't cut them away, they will control our life. The problem is, it's not always easy to cut them away, is it? Because I like to do the things I like to do. Come on now. The reason I don't want to follow Jesus over here is because I like it where I am." And, and, and we look at that picture and it's like, it's that easy to cut things away, but it's not easy. If we had an hour over lunch to talk about what it means to, to, you know, what this message, what we just read actually, just this last, we could talk an hour about all the spiritual implications, but there's a big one, this first one. It's easy to do some religious things, but it's not always easy to follow Jesus. Here this guy was obeying some commandments that were, for him, pretty easy to do. But then there was something that Christ asked that was a little more difficult, and he couldn't do it. Sometimes you don't have an axe to cut that thing away. Sometimes you've got a little pocket knife and a rope that's about that thick, and you can't just go do that with, you've got to hack and you've got to saw. Well, let me tell you this, with the help of the Holy Spirit, you can still cut that thing. I don't care if you're addicted, I don't care if you are the most worldly person that that you've ever met, when you look in the mirror, you can cut that thing with the help of the Holy Spirit if you'll just stay with it. See you need to have some hope because many of us have had struggles that we have just fought against all our life and now we've begun to accept them and this is the way that we are. I want to tell you that in Christ you can be free. I want to tell you that Jesus is a bondage breaker, that Jesus is the one that can help give you the ability to cut that chain, to cut that rope that has you back. But sometimes it's easier to do some religious things than it is to follow Jesus. Here's something else. Uh, You can do these religious things, but you can love the world more than you love Jesus. You can love the things of this world, and that's what that young man was doing. Here's another one. This is a big one. I can't pick and choose what I want in the Christian life a real Christian picks what Jesus chooses. Now, now isn't that kind of profound? Don't we want to just kind of look at the Bible and say, listen, I'm going to love my wife as long as she is cute, as long as she's doing what I want her to do, and uh, as long as nobody else comes along that strikes my fancy? A lot of folks live that way. I'm not going to do this, but can you imagine just ripping that page out of the Bible? How about if your parents are not behaving the way you think they should behave, young person? It would be much easier to just take Genesis or Ephesians 6 1 and just tear it out of the Bible. Children, do what? Obey. Every parent in the room knew this. Children, <laughs> obey your parents and honor them. And the promise is, so you may live long on the earth. But when I read through... See, this is what it means to follow Jesus. Follow Jesus is not just, forgive me for my sins. Following Jesus as you walk through the journey of life... I had a conversation with someone recently, and, uh, and we were talking about someone who had done them wrong. And their first thought was, man, I'm going to get even with them. I hope the sky falls on them. And then we talked a little bit, and I said, you know what, maybe we should do what Jesus said, to bless our enemies, to pray for those who despitefully use us. But the tendency in life, because of pain, offense, frustration, lust, or whatever, is just to tear a page out. I want to encourage you, don't do that. But be like, don't be like this rich young ruler, but be like the rest of the guys. We'll we'll kind of close with that. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it's some great advice. We should remove from our lives anything that would get in the way and the sin that so easily holds us back. And that's a profound Scripture. That's the second thing. If you hadn't written a thing down, I'd write that down. We should remove from our lives anything that would get in the way and the sin that so easily holds us back. Well, that's what I want to tell you this morning. It's a series called, I Follow, and Lord willing, we're going to continue this for several weeks. I want you to bring a friend, but let me kind of wind it it up this morning, and and we're going to have a time of prayer at the end. Hopefully, if you're new in the church, I'd love to at least shake your hand and spend five minutes with you. It'll be that connect room just right after service. But we're going to pray in just a second, and I want to encourage you, don't leave if there's some unfinished business between you and God. God wants to finish some things. Let me, let me remind you, this morning we talked about how to follow Jesus. It was very simple. We find out what He wants us to do. We start doing it, and we let go of anything that holds us back. Now, Mark chapter 10, verse 28. Remember the story that we read with a rich young man, and this rich ruler basically said this to Jesus, I'll obey the commandments, but there's some things that I don't want to do. Well, now, this verse that I'm going to read now is right after that. Simon Peter now gets on board, and here's what he said, verse 28. Peter began to speak up. We have given up everything to... Follow you. We've given up everything to follow you. And Jesus said, yeah, I assure you, or I make a promise, that everyone who's given up houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, children, property, if you've given this up for my sake and the good news... Look what Jesus said in verse 30. You're going to receive now a hundred times as many houses and brothers, sisters, mothers, children, property. It's as if Jesus was saying, listen, you make a sacrifice for me, I'm going to make it worth your while. You follow me, and it may have some persecution that goes along with it, but I'm going to make it worth your while. He said in the world to come, you're going to have what? Eternal life. Now, how many can say eternal life is sure worth it? Several months ago, I went back to see my brother, and he still farms with my dad. Stay with me now. We're just about done. He farms with my dad, and I still like to farm. I like to drive the tractor. I like to kind of hang out and get dirty and play in the dirt. And uh, my brother said, you still like this, don't you? And I said, I do. And he said, well, won't you come back and farm with me? And the essence of our conversation was this. Jesus called me to go to Texarkana, and I'm following him. And until he tells me to go do something different, that's what I'm going to do. See, in life, there's got to be something that you let go of in the Christian life. I've read this passage a lot of times, but I don't know that I've ever really pondered this next verse. Look at verse 31. There are many who are the greatest now, will be the least important then. And those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. Let me suggest here's what it means. There's many people that believe but don't follow. And they're living the Christian life. They're enjoying the blessing of God. Things are going well for them. They seem to prosper. They've got a new car every time you look around. There are pictures in the paper. Uh, everything seems to go great about it. They seem to live, a, 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 you know, all a life with a silver or a gold spoon in their mouth. But God had asked them to do something different in their life. And what's great today, what's applauded in the eyes of the world, when they stand before God, they'll have to drop their head and say, but I didn't follow you. I just asked you to bless me in what I was doing. Now, let me contrast that with another life true story. You remember several weeks ago, we had a couple, a family here from India, the Tituses. Mrs. Titus, getting up in years, her son, one of the greatest ministries impacting the nation of India on on the entire continent. Well, it all started when her husband, or Jameson's dad, Dr. Titus, he, was, uh, he lived in Dallas. He had earned a Ph.D. in education. He was a superintendent, I believe, in a large school district, making $100,000, 150000 30 years ago. I mean, that was a lot of money back then, a lot of money today. But he was making real money. Everything was great. But all of a sudden, God messed up his plans and called him to go back to India, called him to go to the place of his birth. So he gave up the new car. He gave up the, you know, the fancy suits. He gave up all of his world and all the prestige and all the honor and everything that went with it. And he went back to an impoverished place in India. And he began to build a work. His wife began to take children off the street. Today they're feeding and educating 800 kids a day. I mean, there are thousands that have gone through their legitimate seminary. Churches all over India. What he did he's he left what the world would call great and he became least and then one day God's gonna look at him and said that least in my eyes is really great there's honor that's coming to you and I want to tell you it's the same thing for you and I today I want to be like Peter not like the rich ruler how about you if Jesus says me cause me to do something I want to say yes Lord I don't want anything of this world to hold me back come on give the Lord a good hand this morning be an eye follower follow him and life will never be the same. I want you to bow your heads just a moment. We're going to have just a time of prayer. I wonder, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? What is God speaking to you about in this message? Are you perhaps more of a believer than a follower? You may not even be a believer yet. What's He saying to you? When we were talking about letting something go and we were reading about that rich young ruler. Is there something in your world that causes your heart to be divided? Are you in a relationship with someone that you know that's not pleasing to God? Does your cell phone mean more to you than your Bible? Are your forms of entertainment consuming you? I don't know what it may be, but is there something in life that the Lord wants you to let go of? He wants you to take that axe or take that pocket knife and just cut that rope, because it's an anchor to you right now. I just wonder if you're here this morning and you'll say, Pastor, you're talking to me. That's The Spirit of God has put His finger on something this morning. And I I just want to tell the Lord, help me get rid of it. Help me cut it away. Help me be able to let go so I can follow Christ. Nobody, lock, nobody looking around, but if that's you, I just want you to lift your hand real quick. This is a you and God moment. You don't have to come up here and say a word to anybody. But if there's something in your life that the Holy Spirit's put His hand on, I want you to just lift your hand to heaven right now. Nobody else's business. It's you and God. I wonder for the rest of us that are here today if we might say, I want to start my year following Christ. I don't want to follow Him 60, 70, or 80, 90%. I want to follow Christ with all my heart. I want to love Him with all my mind and all my soul and all my strength. And it's hard for me to do that, but I want to ask the Holy Spirit to help me be a better follower of Christ. Would you just slip your hands to heaven, maybe even both of them? And let's just pray and just ask God right now that God would just baptize us afresh with His Holy Spirit, that God would let us do what we're unable to do on our own, that God would just fill us with His presence, that God would allow the Holy Spirit's fruit to be produced in our life and give us self-control, give us long-suffering, give us those character attributes that will help us become the person He wants us to be. But we do ask you today to fill us afresh with your spirit. Like a car when the tank could be three-quarters, half full, half empty. Could be almost empty. We just pray that you would just fill us afresh. And God, that you would see this desire among these people that are here today to be followers of Christ. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Anybody say it? I want to have one more prayer. Here's how we close our services. I don't believe you should ever walk away from church having left something undone. And many times, people are right on the edge of a breakthrough. They're right on the edge of humbling themselves. They're right on the edge of making a connection with God. But they just kind of slip out and go around the mountain again. Maybe God is not through with you. You need prayer this morning. In just a minute, we're going to have the congregation stand. We're going to sing a song and just a couple choruses. And after it's over, you'll be free to go. New people come join me and right across the hall. But if you need prayer... When we stand, our prayer team is going to come up here. And I want you to just come. It could be something in our message that, uh, that God spoke to you about, but it may be any personal needs you have. Because here's something I know. I know for a fact everybody needs prayer. I need prayer. You need prayer. Everybody needs prayer. You don't have to be a member of our church to come for prayer. Prayer doesn't mean that you're you know, a terrible person. Prayer simply means you recognize that you can't make it without God. You may know there's some big financial things that await you, and you just may want somebody just to pray for you. You may be sick in your body, and you may want someone to believe in faith that you'd be healed. We believe that in this church, that God can do a miracle in your life. So whatever it may be, we'll pray for you. But before we have people come for just a general prayer, I want to ask you this question about your soul. I want to ask you a very serious question. It'll take me a minute to do it. But are you 100% sure that if you died today, you'd go to heaven? Now, there's nothing more important than eternal life. It's nothing worth playing with. A 25-year-old this week drowned on Wright Patman, just out bass fishing and probably hit a stump or something, fell in that frigid water and drowned. You just never know. And I wonder, where are you spiritually? Is today the day that you need to look afresh to the cross of Jesus Christ and express your faith in Him? Reach out to Him to forgive your sins and give Him your life. And in turn, He give you eternal life. See, my friends, that's the starting place at the cross. You can't become a follower of Christ until you can become a believer. And you become a believer by expressing your trust that what He did on that cross was enough to forgive your sins. And you can literally pray that God would forgive your sins, wash them away, and give you a brand new start. And if you will commit your life today, my friends, I promise you, Jesus Christ will begin to invade your life and He will begin to help you do become the person you could never be on your own. But it's like you are at a spiritual stop sign today. And if God is speaking to you about getting right right with Christ, it could be the first time you've ever done this, or you might have gotten away from God and don't know how it happened, doesn't matter, but today you want to come back, we're going to pray for you. I want everybody to bow their heads, and I'm going to ask all the churches to pray right now because there may be people here whose eternal soul hangs in the balance. And I just simply want them to pray that you would have first the conviction of the Holy Spirit to realize that your sins keep you from a holy God and that you need Christ. And secondly, I'm going to ask them to pray that you have the courage to make a step to Christ and become His follower today. So if you're here this morning and I'm speaking to you right now about your soul, you want to get right with God, you want to pray and commit your life to Christ today, would you just lift your hand? Let me know if you're here this morning. Say, Pastor, i want to get right with God this morning. Anybody? All right. Praise the Lord. Well, listen, why don't you look at me right now? You bring somebody next week, I'll ask them again. Why don't we just go ahead and begin to sing right now, Pastor Nick. And I just want to invite you to stand. And as we stand, our prayer team is going to come. And if you need prayer for anything, you come this morning, and somebody will stand with you. Our prayer team is coming. Now, you come if you need prayer this morning. We'll stand with you this morning. You need to get right with God. You need God's help in anything. You come. God bless you this morning. I'll see you in the back.